You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis. On today's show, we're going to continue to look at trade partners. I was looking through to see if we had some history to talk about. Uh, I still feel like it's a little too fresh uh, wounds, but uh, the only history that came up really in the past week was uh, World Series losses between Braves and the Cubs. Uh, There was Gaylord Perry winning the Cy Young, even though he only had 9 of 24 first place votes was an interesting fact. But other than that, there was just not a whole lot of history. The news side of things is a little light. I did go look to see if uh, the Indians had started rostering anyone yet. I I didn't think they would have, and they have not. So instead, it seems like a time to to look at teams. Now, if you've been following along to every single episode, you know we've gone through the entire uh, NL virtually looking just at trades. Not necessarily a Lindor trade. We'll talk about it if it makes sense, but just trades in general, teams that have an excess in an area where the Indians are lacking. We are down to just two teams left to talk about. We talked about Atlanta yesterday. Talked about Miami, I think, a week ago. Um, Talked about the Mets this week as well. So let's talk about the last two teams in the the AL. Nope, in the NL East. The Philadelphia Phillies and the Washington Nationals. Now the problem with the Phillies to begin with, is uh, they don't have a ton of depth, A, and B, they don't currently have uh, anyone at the top. They'll bring somebody in. We'll get to see eventually who uh, who's going to run this organization. But currently, they, uh, they're they lacking there. They're a team that has spent heavily in free agency, has had a multitude of high picks, and really hasn't had hardly anything to show for it. Those high picks, um, you know, top 10 overall select. I mean, Mickey Moniak was, of course, the first overall pick. Uh, Adam Hazley, Cornelius Randolph, uh, Alec Baum. Uh, none of them really have worked out. Even go back and look at their the Cole Hamels deal that was supposed to set this team up for years to come. And did they net a single regular out of that trade? I mean, they used some of those pieces to go out and acquire uh, JT Realmuto. But they didn't turn what was supposed to be their heist into one regular everyday player for them outside of, you know, Alfaro being to the Marlins, where he is still not really an everyday type of player. Nick Williams, uh, Jorge Alfaro, I'm trying to think who else were the big pieces in that trade. But uh, yeah, not a whole lot to show. Uh, You go through this lineup and McCutcheon, free agent, Juan Segura trade, um, Bryce Harper, another free agent they they've had to yeah there is someone like reese hoskins who was an internal develop type of player and they're hoping alex Baum will be another one alec Baum will be another one for them but uh really it's just a a failure to evaluate to develop to everything and that is why a team that has spent a lot of money the past few years uh was below 500 this year Their minor leagues are not in great shape either as a team that uh, was one of the better teams a few years ago in terms of their minors, just because they've either either graduated or traded off much of the talent that was there. So what is this team going to do? Well, I would expect them to feel like they're feeling okay with their starting pitching. Spencer Howard didn't have the best debut, but you're hoping that he'll continue to get better. Uh, Zach F. 
Elfin was, uh, I realize I'm probably still butchering that, was solid for them. Wheeler was a good, solid uh, addition pickup. Uh, Aaron Nola really rebounded after kind of a, a down year for him relative to his previous performance. That gives him four-fifths of a solid rotation. Bullpen, uh, it's kind of shocking to me that they didn't claim Brad Hand. With all the money they've spent and everything else, uh, and that bullpen was just atrocious. Um, Hector Norris was was good, and there was nothing beyond him. Uh, they don't have anyone or anything at all you can count on in that bullpen. Uh, one year for Brad Hand seemed like a, a no-brainer for the organization that does have the pockets that it has in terms of depth, but uh, apparently not. They didn't claim him, and they're going to need bullpen help in the worst possible way. Lineup-wise, the Phillies, again, it's so hard to, to talk about that on a very base level just because uh, who knows if there's going to be a DH or not, and that completely changes everything for so many of these teams. You know, Adam Hazley was the eighth overall pick, and he's currently not projected to be a starter for them. Uh, Mickey Moniak was someone who's pressed into service this year, so not surprising that he is not projecting as a starter. Uh, going forward, at least for me. Uh, I was a Kyle Gerlich, Garlic fan. Came over from the Dodgers. One of those guys who always performed well in the minors. Put up some big numbers. Uh, played pretty well in 2019 in a shortened opportunity with the Dodgers. Over 53 played appearances in 30 games. This past year at the Phillies, really bad in his 23 played appearances. I don't know. Uh, what you can really base 23 plate appearances on uh, in terms of your evaluation, if you can use that at all, but who knows. Uh, still someone I'd like to see get a, an opportunity somewhere. Adam Hazley is uh, is interesting from the perspective, again, you know, very high pick. Um, the Virginia program has not had a lot of success. Uh, it, it teaches a lot of players how to perform well in college, and very specific approaches to pitching and hitting, and then uh, you have to fix it, uh, essentially, when they get to the pros. I mean, Mike Pappy, uh, I, I've talked about before, I had him and uh, Conforto graded pretty equally, but uh, getting to talk to people in the minors, it's like Pappy was this really strong guy who didn't know how to use his lower half at all. Everything had been this very specific Virginia approach, and that's why, I mean, frankly, at the end of the day, why he was released at the end of this, or prior to this season. Hazley, uh, by now, you know, he was, what year was he drafted in? I want to say uh, 2017 as a college performer. He got up to the majors in 2019, and you expect him by 2020 to be an everyday player. He was not. He did appear in 40 games, 92 plate appearances. Uh, it is interesting, the year before in 67 games, 242 plate appearances, and 88 WRC plus both years. He's about a replacement guy. I don't know if he's someone you really set your eyes on as a player you want to acquire that's going to make your team better. And, I mean, that's basically what it comes down to. I don't think this is a team that's going to look to trade Bomb. Uh, he is their third baseman, and they don't have an in-house replacement. Uh, likely, they're hoping to have Segura and Kingery at shortstop and second base. McCutcheon, Harper in their outfield. And, you know, this they could be on the free agent market yet again trying to sign someone. Maybe they give uh, Hazley a chance in center field. Top prospects, uh, McAbell was just their recent first-round pick. Uh, good value, huge departure for them as an organization to take him where they took him. 
uh, Bryson Stott, I'm a big fan of. We've talked about him before. And then I feel like after kind of those two, I guess Spencer Howard still counts as a prospect, but after those two, I, I see a significant drop. And, yeah, I just... I'm not buying what they're selling. I don't see a good deal. I don't see where they have depth to trade from. In general, I mean, that might be the Phillies' biggest issue is because they've been so bad at development, they don't have depth. Okay. Sorry, everyone. Lost my train of thought. Uh, uh, Trying to help my dad with computer issues. Uh, I'm going to just do a quick thing in the middle of this for me. If anyone has any advice on uh, remote access software or abilities to remote access a Chromebook to help out someone who is elderly, uh, please pass that on to me, uh, Jeff MLB at Jeff MLB Draft. Well, now we'll go back into talking about baseball, but uh, figure I'd pull the crowd see if anyone out there has some skills to help. Uh, Philly, yeah, bad fit. They just don't have depth. They're buying their way to trying to contend, and it's been unsuccessful. So goodbye, Philadelphia. That leaves us with the Washington Nationals, a team that won the World Series and then almost ended up with the top five pick. I believe they're picking 11th or 12th instead. Uh, not exactly what they'd hoped for. And then going back and kind of letting go of a lot of a lot of players who they went out and had signed to be a part of this current core when you're looking at Howie Kendrick uh, after being the World Series hero and Eric Thames, who they went out and added, Astrupal Cabrera as a free agent, Brock Holt, Sean Doolittle, their closer. A lot of pieces uh, are walking out that door. Kurt Suzuki, who was more often than not their starting catcher, in terms of their minor leagues, it's not pretty. This is another one. I am not sure who's worse, them or Philadelphia. Uh, Luis Garcia is always one of those guys who's been more tools than production. Now, they've had a lot of success with those types uh, who were very toolsy in terms of development. It just has not come together for them there. Uh, I do like Jackson Rutledge, but I also acknowledge he's likely a reliever. Cade Cavalli, first-round pick. Will Crow, Mason Denneberg. Stock's kind of down, I would say, on those players relative to where it was a few years ago. Ooh, uh, so when you look at Washington, you know, uh, Juan Soto is, of course, a great talent, but Victor Robles has never quite turned it. I mean, Robles was the bigger name prospect than Soto when they were together in the minors. It's not quite turned into that. Uh, Old friend alert, Jan Gomes is going to be their starting catcher. Uh, The rest of that outfield, I mean, Andrew Stevenson is... You really want him probably as a fourth outfielder. No more, no less. Uh, he's projecting to right now start for them. Uh, Carter Kaboom, we'll see if he can kind of nail down that third base position. He's one of those guys who, another former top prospect, that keep waiting to do that and just has not been able to step up. I, I'm sure you're kind of gathering. Uh, Washington's a pretty bad fit, and yeah, that's where it stands. I do want to give some credit uh, I was always very down on Tina Rainey. Now, again, 20 innings, but uh, he was excellent this past year. And the reason I was down is I always have concern with players who have control issues, and his control issues were some of the worst I had seen at points in the minors. He got it together, and he had a very strong year. He will likely be their closer next year, him or Daniel Hudson. And uh, occasionally you get some wrong. We'll have to see in the extended period uh, a larger window if he can keep up. Just seven walks in 20 innings uh, is pretty phenomenal for a player who had walk rates, I believe, up over six and seven walks per nine at points in his career in the minors. So that's pretty big. I also kind of still like Austin Both, who didn't have the best year for them. 
they gave Will Harris a lot of money, and he was okay in 17 innings, but when you're paying someone that much, you kind of want more. Uh, like I said, we're going to see. This is a team that's got, you know, it's nice when you got Scherzer, Corbin, and Strasburg, but after them, you know, Eric Fetty never has quite lived up to his first-round hype. Um, they're just a team that has holes, and they don't have a clear way to fix or fill them. I don't know how much they're going to be able to spend. I don't know what next year is going to look like for them. But we can eliminate Washington as well in terms of a team that uh, makes a lot of sense right now to trade with the Cleveland Indians. So let's continue our trip around baseball. Let's, let's go start looking in the AL West, trying to figure out uh, organizations that might make sense. A team that is often viewed as kind of a, I don't know if I want to say a sleeping giant, but uh, to a degree you might uh, be able to label them that way, is the Seattle Mariners. Uh, Seattle is a huge market, often not viewed that way, but it is. It is absolutely a huge market. This is a team with not a lot of cash commitments in general and some solid young talent. Uh, Evan White just won the Golden Glove at first base, and or the Gold Glove. I did it again. Gold Glove at first base. But, uh, you know, he's he didn't have the best offensive year, but he is interesting from the perspective of, like, how many of us all stated he would win a gold glove at first base if you left him there. It was one of those really easy-to-figure-out uh, situations, and uh, it came together. He won his first of many gold gloves. Uh, I still would rather have an above-average outfielder if the bat comes together. problem is right now where the bat is, it, it's not a good first-base bat, which then limits it, you know, if he's just... Casey Kochman, is that really what what you want? Time will tell, but we all knew the bat would be there. Uh, another interesting guy is Ty France. I, I at points in time have kind of banged the drum for him. He finally got that extended opportunity, forty three games, one hundred fifty five plate appearances, a one thirty two WRC plus. Another one of those guys who just always played well in the minors. He never had a WRC plus in the minors, a runs created plus under one hundred. It was always, his worst was a 104. Next worst, a 113. He just always performed at every level he performed. Uh, he, 2019, he had the massive year in AAA in terms of the power boost. When 2018, he saw his first power uh, increase at the minor league level. We'll have to see. I, I'm not saying he's going to be a big power bat. Uh, I don't think that is going to be the case, but I bet you he likely becomes an above-average regular or in terms of uh, offensive production, playing uh, right now, shifted at DH for them. Mitch Hanger, man, can he ever get healthy? That's going to be just one of those questions. What can Mitch Hanger do? Can he get healthy? If he gets healthy, that's huge. Either it's a trade asset or just in terms of their lineup. Kyle Seager had a huge bounce back after some down years. Kyle Lewis had a fantastic year, should win Rookie of the Year. J.P. Crawford won the uh, Gold Glove at shortstop this year. So they had the gold glove at first base and shortstop. Uh, maybe not the offensive season uh, people are hoping, but still more than acceptable uh, as a offensive production for the position, especially when you add in the defense. So, that, I mean, you look at their... Kyle Seager is 33, so I don't know if I want to say they're set at third. But first, third, short, all looking really solid for them. Uh, second base, uh, Dylan Moore is probably somewhere they look to improve. Uh, catching... They traded away Nola, Lewis Torrens, who they got um, in that deal. 
with San Diego. Kind of sold high, as their, I'm sure they're thought. Um, and Ty France also came over, I believe, in that deal. So Torrens is who they would probably kind of point to, along with Cal, Cal Raleigh as the catcher of the future. Uh, Tom Murphy is an interesting player. And, you know, I was just looking at the roster resource page. Shed Long is uh, the second baseman on this team. He's the guy who's going to get that opportunity for them. Uh, A lot of people have been really high on him for a lot of years now. I hadn't realized that uh, they got Philip Irvin off of waivers as a backup. And pitching-wise, I mean, Marco Gonzalez was really strong this year, uh, making me look foolish. I was never necessarily the biggest Marco Gonzalez guy. Uh, I hated the Ty O'Neill deal, but right now Seattle is winning that. Uh, Yusuke uh, Kikichi uh, was, a, I thought, a smart pickup from Japan. Still hasn't gotten it all together. I still believe in him. Justice Sheffield had a really strong year. If you weren't paying attention at this point in time, he is better than Clint Frazier if you're looking for that return from the uh, the Andrew Miller deal. Justin Dunn was was solid. Uh, looked like a back-end type, and you're more than going to be happy to take that. Uh, Nick Mervicius was a waiver claim from San Diego who, in seven starts, had a a decent year. I'm sure they will kind of trot him out as a potential fifth starter next year. Bullpen, um, it's a mess. That is a clear area of need. I don't know what they're going to do there. Uh, It is a disaster show in every sense of the word. Uh, just trying to go through, talk about their minors quickly. Uh, it's loaded. It's one of the top five minor league systems in baseball, in my opinion. Uh, Julio Rodriguez is someone that a lot of people have been very high on for a very long time and viewed as one of the like elite of the elite, along with Jared Kalenic. Uh, Kalenic could help them next year. They added uh, Taylor Trammell as part of that NOLA deal. Could be another outfielder that helps them next year. Logan Gilbert and George Kirby are pair of first-round picks. I really like to points of time. Cal uh, Raleigh is a pretty high-floor catcher. It's a, it's a fun, interesting team on a lot of levels just because the lineup is starting to come together. The starting pitching is there. They could use a few more pieces. Now, I guess when we're looking at trade value, it always comes back probably to Mitch Hanger, right? Like, he is the guy that you how much are you buying in him and how much faith do you have in Mitch Hanger? So he is a free agent in 2023. So any team that would acquire him would get him for 21 and 22. So you're getting him for two years of service at this point in time. He did not play at all in 2020. 2019 was 63 games. 2018 was... Uh, 157 games, 2017, 96, and 2016, he was in 34 games. That 2018 year, a 137, uh, the runs created. 2019, he was at a 106, a 129 in 2017. 4.5 wins in the one year that he played in over 100 games in the big leagues. There's a reason why teams would be intrigued by him, but the health is a massive concern, obviously. Uh, there's a lot of tools, a lot of performance. And if you're Seattle, do you sell low? or Which I can't see them doing. And that's exactly why I think Mitch Hanger is pretty much impossible to acquire. Because if you're Seattle, if you're trading him now, you're selling at a low point. This is a team that's still 
in their rebuild. They're not out of their rebuild yet. They're still trying to maximize value. And if Mitch Hanger comes back and plays really well in the first half, you will get significantly more for him in a trade than you would trading him in this offseason. And if you wait till midseason to trade him, that means you've slowed down the service time clocks for either Kalenic or, um, where am I blanking, uh, or Tramel. So one of those outfielders would likely be the one to step in. Uh, I mean, they do have a, a hole in left field as well. So you could see both of them up with Kyle Lewis, and that would be a heck of an athletic outfield that just uh, put that right there. A really fun outfield to watch. So I think Hanger is a guy who, yeah, midseason, keep him in mind, he could 100% be someone for a team like the Indians to go out and acquire. Downside is he's only a year and a half rental. He's not a long-term rental at this point for any team, and the injury concerns are always going to bring his value down a bit. I think Seattle... You know, it, I've had people be like, Seattle is a, it's a great fit for Lindor. Why would they want Lindor? I mean, yeah, Lindor makes them better, but they have a gold glove shortstop themselves who's on a cheap contract, who played well last year. Uh, J.P. Crawford, they have a lot of team control left. He is not a free agent until 2025. A 94 WRC runs created plus, so a little bit below average. Uh, with excellent defensive numbers his two years in the majors is Lindor a better player yes but it's not a pressing need and you have a young shortstop why go out and get the rental when you're not really at that they're about a year or two out from their contention phase you want to get you know Kalenic and Gilbert and Trammell their feet wet you want to start Cal Raleigh you want to start getting those players up before uh, you kind of view your window as being wide open so I don't see Lindor as a fit, and nor do I see a trade that would make a ton of sense. Uh, I mean, again, Mitch Hanger, because of the injury concerns, is not a centerpiece type of player in such a deal. And who else? They're not treating Kyle Lewis. They don't have anyone else in their outfield right now. Kyle Seeger's 33 and makes a lot of money. I, there's just not a great... There's no centerpiece. I don't see that happening. I don't see a way you make a Lindor trade happen. They just they there aren't the pieces there for that. They're just plain and simply are not unless they are moving someone like Kalenic, and I think Kalenic is probably an overplay at this point in time for for uh Lindor. The Indians didn't like Taylor Trammell to require him in the Clevenger trade and they didn't like him enough to keep him in the uh the Bauer trade, so obviously he is not of interest to them, so yeah, this is a team that comes up multiple times, and I get it. They can spend this year. They can go out and chase talent. But for a trade with the Cleveland Indians, they make little to no sense. And in a Francisco Lindor trade, they make no sense at all. Um, it would be fun just from the perspective of there was talk that Lindor was like a sleeper candidate for them back in his draft year. He put on an absolute show in Seattle uh, in terms of power and home runs and everything else. And instead... The front office took Danny Holtzen, uh, which even then was a, a pick that I, I didn't love. Uh, he was a highly productive player, and I didn't have my concerns with the Virginia program that I have now. But uh, there was just better arms. Like I, Trevor Bauer's performance that year was so amazing. I would have had him higher. I had him higher than Holtzen. Uh, I, I probably would have also had Bubba Starling higher, just knowing how I evaluated players then. So I'm not just cherry picking the best ones here. 
But uh, I mean, honestly, I've, I've said it before. If the way I look at data now, I would have had Bauer as the number one player in that class for me. He would have been ahead of Garrett Cole. Uh, so take that for what it is worth. But his numbers were just unbelievable that year for UCLA. So there would be kind of a fun full circle moment to Seattle getting the player that uh, they probably should have drafted and was very hotly talked about in the days leading up to the draft with Seattle. But uh, I just, unless they're willing to trade a Kyle Luce or Gerald, Jared Kalenic, and in both of those trades, I, I don't think one year of Lindor, change that, one year of Lindor is not worth five of Lewis or six of Kalenic. So I don't even know how you balance it out unless the Indians were to include uh, a relief arm. And no, I'm not going to open up the Trade Viewer site and figure it out right now. But uh, that's something that I'd have to work. So the long and short of it is I don't see it. So put Seattle, Seattle, Philly, Washington, just put them in the trash bin. Uh, And since I've said that, the Indians will definitely trade with one of those teams, but likely on something smaller. We're trying to find players that could come in and help, players that could come in for the Cleveland Indians. And, you know, these next few years are really kind of the last few attempts. Uh, You never know what's going to happen in the postseason. Washington Nationals proved that a year ago. This is an Indians team that is built to just get to the postseason and see. Um, hasn't worked out, but maybe it could. And uh, yeah, we're as an organization right now. There, uh, there isn't a player that kind of fits or a player that makes me stop and think, "Oh, he makes sense to the Cleveland Indians." We still have Houston to talk about. Uh, I don't, you know, I'll go more in depth then. Houston, Oakland, Texas, and uh, Texas will be a fun one. So make sure to catch that one. Houston, Oakland, Texas. And this is, you know, it's funny. I can remember all these in-depth stats, but then I have a hard time remembering the teams and divisions. Like I can do a whole, I was talking with the uh, with the whole chat, and maybe I'll do this on a show uh, later this week. But I was talking about how you can track from the cliff, not, and I said this, and I said in the chat this way too, not the cliff to lead deal. You can track the Bartolo-Colon deal all the way through in terms of involved players to the Chris Archer deal. Let me know if you'd want to hear that. If you want a whole episode of how I can track those two trades uh, with about six other trades in between that you can track from Bartolo Colon getting traded from the Indians to the Expos all the way to Chris Archer going from Tampa to Pittsburgh and those trades maybe being the two biggest heists of the last 25 years and how you can track and connect those. So let me know. Is that is something you'd be interested in? That could be another fun thing we talk about uh, during this offseason. But yeah, I can do all of that in my head. But remembering every team in a division, that's, that's a struggle. But yeah, we, we will talk about the rest of the West as well. Go through, talk about if there is some trades that make sense. If there are some players where teams could, uh, could stand to lose a little talent on the fringes that could help the Cleveland Indians. As always, I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Locked on Indians podcast. Remember, you can find me and all of my hot takes on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. Remember to rate and review on iTunes. It really helps. Download daily. Uh, That is another thing you can do to really help this show out. And as always, go Tribe.